I want to talk to you today about hope at the altar. If you're getting ready, turn your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18. While I tell you what my greatest, my, my most beloved preacher of all time had to say, the great Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, hope itself is like a star, not to be seen in the sunshine of prosperity and only to be discovered in the night of adversity. How many of you believe 2020 has had its share of adversity? Now I need you to do something today. I need you to lock in with me because I am declaring war against that insipid, that deadly, that drastic, that demonic disease, spiritual blight, spiritual pandemic called hopelessness. And I see it in some of y'all's eyes. Mm. Martin Luther King Jr stood behind an oaken pulpit like this one and preached, we must accept finite disappointment. Watch me now, but we must never lose infinite hope. Disappointment is finite. Hope is infinite. Your disappointment this morning is finite. I will remind you of the words of Jesus. This too shall pass. Jesus said, and it came to pass. So whatever came is about to pass. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now, 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 18 presents to us a what is a seeming paradox. It's a, it's a contradiction. It is only to be spiritually understood. For the things of God and of the Spirit are enmity against the things of this world. Everything in the kingdom you're now a part of is diametrically opposed, mutually exclusive to everything in the kingdom you came out of. Now notice the paradox because you can't just read the Bible, you got to read the Bible. One of my favorite verses in the entirety of God's word. 2 Corinthians 4.18 While we do not look at things which are seen. Okay, stop. It is an impossibility for you not to look at things which are seen. To do so would go be to go through life blinded, not only in your heart, not only in your spirit, in your mind, in your body. You had to look at things which are seen to find your seat today. You had to look at things which are seen to decide whether to put your extensions in or not. You had to look at things which were seen to find your car keys. 
So how is it that God's command and edict is simply this? We look not at things which are seen, but now it gets worse. We look at things which are not seen. How in the world are you going to observe with eyesight something that cannot be seen? This is the paradox. Not to look at what is seen, but to look at what is not seen. And here's why. Because the things which are seen are temporal. What does that mean? It came to pass. The sickness came to pass. The sorrow came to pass. The ordeal came to pass. Whatever the alien armies of the Antichrist have arrayed and assailed you with against today came to pass. Are you ready? They're about to pass away. I can't get no help in here. I'm on. And the things, here it is, which are not seen are constant. They're immovable. They're steadfast. They're everlasting. They're eternal. They cannot be moved. And if you know how to perceive them, neither can you. Having done all to stand, hush your whimpering, stop your crying, quit your complaining, close your mouth and stand. I got a word for you today. Everywhere around us and increasing every day is a pandemic, a pernicious and pervasive malady called hopelessness. I want you to point your finger. I want you to square your shoulders. I want you to stick your chin out underneath that mask. And I want you to rebuke hopelessness. No, I mean rebuke it. You're just playing church. You're just going through the motions. Get on your feet. Point your finger under the nose of hopelessness and shout, I rebuke you. Stop it. That's enough. Now dance. I didn't say dance because you feel like it. I said dance because you don't feel like it. Yeah. Hopelessness. It rages rampant and unchecked in its menacing attack. It's characterized by discouragement. Somebody say yes. yes. By dejection. Somebody say yes. yes. It's represented by your despair. Somebody say yes. yes. It spawns smothering stagnation. It gives birth to apathy and an apathetic response to the things around you. It gives rise to a suffering, smothering sense that life is pointless, 
that existence on this blue marble planet is simply futile. Oh, I'm going somewhere. It gives rise to poisonous tongues that utter responses such as, oh, what's the use? Nothing I could possibly do is going to change anything anyway. Oh, you're quiet. Nothing's going to make any difference. All I do is everything right, wrong. There is no perfect human being. We all, from time to time, give place to the adversary. But here's good news. That door swings both ways. The door that you opened, you are responsible to slam it shut. Oh God, I want to preach today. King Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived to contemplate philosophically, wrestled himself with hopelessness. He said in Ecclesiastes 1.14, I have seen all, all the works done under the sun. And behold, said the wisest man that ever lived, all is vanity, all is vanity. Hasn't that been what you've been muttering under your breath? What difference does it make? This thing's never going away. Why am I, I, I hear a Charlie Brown spirit? Why is everybody always picking on me? You're not the only one to ever drink a cup of sorrow. You're not the only one that's ever had to square your shoulders in the face of every adversary of hell. You're not the only one that's ever felt like your name is the only name in the adversary's Rolodex. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you can withstand. Your armor prophesies a conflict. I ain't getting no shouts up in here. I didn't think I would. It'd certainly be quite easy, wouldn't it, in this season of desperation and despair to look at our lives, to look at our families, to look at our communities, to look at our nation and simply roll over and sigh. There's just no hope. That, my dear, born again, brother and sister, is deadly sense of futility, a sense of gloom and doom. And stop blaming politicians and stop blaming the news media. Why don't you turn it off?
I don't know if you notice that clicker has an on and off button. Well, I just get so discouraged every time I get on social media. Why don't you get off? I'm going to get to that. It's all relentlessly reached. It's nasty hand ravaged our relationships. I've never seen such whispering among friends. Whispering, your Bible said, separates the very best of friends. So I've got a suggestion. Stop whispering. I've got a better suggestion. Stop yielding those digits on the side of your head to everyone who wants to whisper. The next time somebody has the audacity to bring something to you and say, I'm going to tell you something, but don't tell anybody. Know this, they're a liar and you're participating in a lie. Say these words, I rebuke you. Don't you dare dump something in my ears that's going to get into my mind and seep into my heart that you don't even want to stand behind. Stop it. Stop it. All they're going to do is drop something in your mind that you have no ability to do anything about. I heard somebody say over there, this is so good. Good, because I got about two hours of it. It's going on across the nation. It's going on around the world. It's going on in our homes. But I've got a good idea. Today... By the help of God Almighty, just lift up both hands. I'm not talking to anybody but you. I'm not talking to a crowd. I'm talking to you. Get your hands lifted up and say this with me. Today, by the help of God, hopelessness in my life receives its cease and desist order. While I'm at it, I'm going to serve it. It's eviction notice. Somebody shout, get out of my life. While I'm at it, I think we'll throw in a permanent Holy Ghost enforced restraining order against a devil called hopelessness. Here's why. He that dwells in the secret place. Your Bible says men and women ought always to pray 
and not to faint. Do you know what that means? You can't just read the Bible. You got to read the Bible. Here's what it means. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. Translated out, Professor Sams, it actually says, he that prays cannot faint, and he that faints is not praying. When are we ever going to take responsibility for our own situation? When are we ever going to understand we are more than conquerors through Jesus? When are we ever going to get he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty? And I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my God and in him will I trust. Surely he has delivered me from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence and from the wasting disease. Let me, let me move on. I wanted to give you the whole song, but you can read it later. I'm not a medical doctor. How many of you knew that? I'm not a medical doctor at all. I am a doctor, but I am not a medical doctor. And by the way, there's no such thing as an honorary PhD preachers. What I do is I deal, thank you God, in the merchandise of eternity. What good would it do to your eternal soul if I spent the 12 years necessary to become a heart surgeon, sawed your chest open, took your heart out, fixed it and put it back in and gave you another 30 years on this cursed planet and your soul end up in hell. Folks tried to urge me that way. Other folks tried to get me to be an attorney. Somehow or another, I seem to have the art of persuasion. Others have tried for many, many years to get me to occupy a place in Washington, D.C. And to all of them, I have responded why would I want a demotion? I'm not dealing in the natural today. Get out of your mind. Get out of your body. Tell your stomach, God, it can eat later. I am a spiritual doctor, if you will. And like a medical doctor, one of my great paramount responsibilities is to be able to examine the most prevalent symptoms that I see you presenting. <laughs> you didn't know you talked to me, did you? 
Sometimes I listen to God. All the time I listen to you. I need to know what you're walking into my examining room with today. Teacher, know thy student. I must provide an accurate diagnosis and then I must prescribe an effective course of treatment to get you cured of the spiritual attack against you today. I'm not preaching to preach a sermon. I'm about to take something off of you. Don't act so enthusiastic. Look, we're witnessing the furious effects of this entire thing, of this spiritual contagion all day, every day. Hopelessness is not some common, simple, slight spiritual virus that's no more than an inconvenience. Get this straight. What is lurking in your heart is demonic. Well, can Christians have a demon? How many angels can dance on the head of a pen? What came first? The chicken or the egg? The chicken, dumb head. Read the Bible. He created everything in adult form with its seed in it. Can a Christian have a demon? Uh... That depends on your definition of Christian. Can somebody that dwells consistently and constantly in the secret place? No, no, no. Can someone that prays without ceasing? No, no, no. But those that spend more time on the internet and their cell phone and in front of a TV than they do at the altar? Yeah, bet your bottom dollar, baby. Several spirits of doubt and worry, spirits of anxiety, spirits of loneliness, spirits of, of, of debauchery, spirits of sexual impurity, spirits of divorce. How do you think preachers get divorced? Do you think God instituted that? Jesus said Moses gave you letters of divorcement because of the hardness of your heart, but I don't give you any such law. Jesus said, if you look on a woman to lust after her, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Where's your altar? Why do we Walk through what we walk through when the antidote is right here. Constant. Never failing. Everlasting God. Are you just playing with it? Well, I need an escape from him.
I need a boy's night out. That's a lot of guys' problem. What is lurking in your mind? What is devastatingly present in your speech? What's hanging around you like a dark cloud of oppression, draining you of peaceful, restful sleep, causing you to carry in your countenance a dark cloud of oppression? Well, I'm depressed. You are four stages of seven on your way to demon possession. Regression, repression, suppression, depression. Obsession, oppression, possession. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I don't preach for applause. I preach for change. And there is not a single person under the sound of my voice in Columbus, Ohio, in Elkhart, Indiana, or anywhere around the world that is not at this very moment fighting the diabolical enemy of hopelessness. People get married at altars. I've never seen anyone go there for their divorce. <laughs> Think about this. Two years ago, 2018, the Center for Disease Control that everybody's got so much faith in, so I just pulled some of their numbers. The CDC in 2018 said that there were 1.4 million suicide attempts in the United States of America. That was before the pandemic. They tell me that it has tripled or quadrupled since the pandemic hit. Millions and millions of people are taking their own lives while the church stands, puts on a smiley face emoji and sings, we are the seed of Abraham and his blessing falls on us. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Suicide is the second, I'm gonna, I'm gonna calm down here for a minute. Suicide is the second leading cause of death of those between the ages of 15 and 34. What? Of those between the ages, now get ready, hold on to the pew. The third leading cause of death among children aged 10 to 14 is suicide. How do they even know how to do it? Oh, 
that device you let them walk around with all the time. That thing you send them to bed with. We used to send them to bed with nighttime stories from the Bible, read by their parents. Now we give them some kind of electronic device and send them in the room, lock the door. And then we wonder why they behave the way they do. No altar. No church altar, no individual heart altar, no family altar. So our lives have been altered by the lack of an altar. I think I'm hitting pay dirt. Hopelessness I'm going to give you some more. What in the world, how hopeless does life have to get for children 10 to 14 to get to the point that living makes dying look easy? You're 12 years old. Take your life but they see it glamorized. If you go on the internet right now as a child, you can find 50 ways to kill yourself. If I, if I, if I, had to, if I wanted to kill myself when I was 10 years old, I wouldn't have known how to do it. Because everything I watched Roy Rogers, the Lone Ranger, Tonto too. They all shot each other, but they always got hit in the arm. Nobody ever got killed. The average child today, by the time it's 10 years old, has seen hundreds of thousands of acts of murder and suicide. How deadly is this deception? I'm telling you, God got me in a corner and he wore me out. How deadly is this deception? How demonic is its influence on 10 year olds? to make them ever even have the thought of taking their own life. But what can you expect in a culture where passion runs wild, where verbiage and talk has no governor? They used to at least have laws about movies, still have a few. But what good does that do when the internet is unregulated? Satan is exalted as a God. Men love pleasure rather than their wives. 
10% of Americans today are taking antidepressants. 60% of them have been taking those medications for over two years. Just a question, how's that working out? Is it a cure? Oh, no, 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 no. There's only one cure. In Ohio in 2018, there were 53.5 opioid prescriptions written by medical doctors per 100,000 people in the state. There were 29.6 opioid deaths per 100,000 citizens. Ohio in 2018 was leading the nation, the fourth highest percentage of opioid deaths in America, in the heartland, surrounded by cornfields and soybeans and wheat fields. That same year, 15 million people in the United States were alcoholics. 65 million people went on a drinking binge in one week. Sip all the wine you want to. Just remember the number of lives that it takes and the next one could be yours or worse, you could get in an automobile and take somebody else's. I prefer to be a Nazarite. According to the CDC, 29 people a day die in car crashes as a result of alcohol. The annual cost you want to talk about your tax dollars? $54 billion. You wonder why your car insurance is so much? It's not because you had a fender bender. It's because people are dying. 29% of all traffic fatalities were a direct result of alcohol. That does not include drugs. 30% of every car crash you see had somebody drinking and driving. 124 million Americans confessed that they drive drunk. Thirteen percent of all nighttime and weekend traffic fatalities are a result of someone smoking marijuana. So let's legalize it. That makes sense. All that was recorded before COVID-19 and people smoking marijuana have a 25% higher chance of being involved in a fatal car accident. 
So let's make sure our children have access to it. Here's the problem. People attempt to face their difficulties on their own. And I want to give you hope in the midst of hopelessness this morning that you are not alone. What's the song my buddy Torn Wells wrote? Give me the lyrics to it. Do you remember? Something about when I'm on the mountain. Yeah, give me Chris. Can you remember? I'm being pretty informal. But what, that's coming up in my spirit. Go ahead. In the mountain. In the mountain, I will lift my eyes to the one who set me there. Yes. In the valley, I will lift my eyes to the one who sees me there. When I'm standing on the mountain, when I'm standing on the mountain after I didn't get there on my own. Yeah. And here's the line. Just lift your hands right now and say, I'm not alone. I'm in a valley and there's a giant here. The only reason that giant's there is because God gave you the power to decapitate him, stand up on his dead carcass, lift your hands to God Almighty who is constant and never changing. I don't want to leave you right there. I want to leave you with some hope in a hopeless situation. Here it is. There is a cure for hopelessness. Now, wait a minute. If I told you I was Dr. PRP and uh, I also have a science degree and I'm also a, pharma, a, a pharmacist and so I have created a tablet. Now, if you will take this tablet, the CDC has said it will cure you of hopelessness. They'd be lined up like they're lined up to get a COVID test. You know I'm telling you true. They're going to line up for that vaccine. <laughs> you, you don't know what's in that. I mean, I might be the first one in line, but I'm just trying to talk to you about what we call blind faith. That's blind faith. That's looking at things which are seen <laughs> rather than things that are not seen. Good God Almighty. Hopelessness does not have to be terminal. You don't have to take your life. You don't even have to change your life. If you have to move your physical body 15 minutes from where you are to be happy, you never will be. It's time to hope again. I said, it's time to hope again. The answer comes 
from an ancient manuscript called the B-I-B-L-E. Yeah, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Hear the great psalmist of Israel, Psalm 42.5, asking the same question being asked today by millions. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? That same psalm that asked the question gives the solution. Read the rest of the verse. I will hope in God. I will yet praise him for the help of his presence. The psalmist believed it so strongly, he not only said it in Psalm 42, but in Psalm 43. Here's the fact, those who have lost hope have put their hope in the wrong thing. Tweet that. Those that have lost hope have their hope placed in the wrong thing or things. People today tend to mock the, you might as well be seated. Is that my signal to be done? Have you noticed how, you know, our culture mocks the pagans of previous generations who worship things like stones and mountains and wooden carvings and mountains and the moon? Oh, but we are so much more sophisticated now. We mock those pagans. But our idols are no less real and no less powerless. The idolatrous objects of modern worship are so much more glamorous. And gee golly whiz, all we have to do is open our phone and there they are. They used to have to go to the mountain. I'm concerned that when this pandemic is over, and it will be, it came to pass. I'm concerned that people have become so accustomed to drinking their coffee and not even watching live, but just watching church at their convenience while they're cooking their SpaghettiOs. That's not church. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, and even more so as you see that day approaching. Our our idols are so much more glamorous, beautiful airbrushed images of celebrities who became famous by cheating who became famous by creating and leaking sex videos. Of themselves committing fornication and adultery. And so-called Christians gobble it up incessantly. It's my escape. This altar needs to be your escape. Hold on now, grab your pew. Look at your neighbor and say, give me some room here. I may have to run out of here directly. 
Our idols are professional athletes who mock having pride in America, who mock the great American flag that my family and many of yours died to honor and defend. I'm not trying to win friends and influence people. I'm trying to be faithful to that book. And don't edit me either. I'm the doctor here, you're the nurse. We have idols of the entertainment and media industry who tell you, sequester in your home, don't eat Thanksgiving, and don't be thankful, and put a mask on in your house. While they do everything and anything but that. They appear so glamorous. It's almost sickening. It's almost like something's wrong in here. Our appetites are misplaced. We want the Ohio State and Indiana football game to go into overtime. But we better get out of church on time. We don't have enough time to have an altar service. We gotta get this herd of goats in and get the next herd of goats out and the next one in. It's hard to shepherd goats, you know. It's like pushing a rope uphill. It's like trying to herd cats. They're so glamorous. They're so gifted. And they're all impotent idols. Impotent idols of a self-interested, self-satisfied, self-indulgent, selfish generation of snowflake Christians and citizens. Manufactured gods of indulgence, powerless to provide any help when hopelessness becomes the unwelcomed visitor at your door. If you're depressed, let me make this suggestion. Don't run to them. If you're confused, don't run to them. If you're lonely, don't run to them. They're all men. Here's the greatest verse in your Bible. God is not a man. I can't help it, but preachers, preachers have presented Jesus the friend. 
not Jesus, my sovereign Lord. We want an amalgamation. We want Jesus added to everything we want to do. We want Jesus to be a fire escape if we get in such bad trouble that we can't find an answer in the secular realm. How about you go to him before Tylenol? Okay, I ain't getting no help. But man, I haven't heard the Holy Ghost shout amen so much. I'm, I'm closing. Extravagant wealth, influence, fame, fortune. They may all be attractive in their fleeting season, but they have absolutely no ability to fill the dark, aching, empty void of hopelessness. There's something very, very, very wrong. When a recent survey just revealed that the number one goal of those 18 to 35 years old in America, the number one goal is to be famous. Do you want to be famous? Aren't you always counting your likes? Your friends? What a lie that is. You think if somebody clicks a heart button on the internet, they're your friend? A friend sticks closer than a brother. They're the very ones three weeks from now will be using the internet to rake you over the coals and back. They're not your friends. The two most prevalent current worldviews guarantee that hopelessness will be the hallmark of everyone's life who surrendered to and subscribes to them. Don't do it. Don't do it. Well, I wanted to talk to you about the anchor, but I, I won't have time. Here's what I believe. Hope is a spiritual commodity. It provides sustenance to the suffering soul. It does not come from this material world or from anything in it. And if you believe that, you are deceived. Hope is a product and provision of the spirit realm. Hope is a gift granted from God Almighty and from him alone. If you focus your attention on the things of this world, you will be defeated, you will be discouraged, you will be depressed, you will be disconnected, you will be disgruntled. But if you will look at the things of the spirit which are from heaven above, you will be delivered by the mighty hand of God. I declare, I declare, it's time to hope again. Here's what I know. If God did it before, he'll do it once more. God will do it over again. 
Hebrews 6.19 shouts, We have this hope as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. Your Bible and mine speaks of a specific hope being an anchor to your soul. And the context of this blessed and amazing hope is that our safety, our security are anchored in Christ alone. My soul in sad exile was out on life's sea, so burdened and distressed, till I heard a sweet voice saying, make me your choice. And I entered the haven of rest. I've anchored my soul in the haven of rest, and I sail the wild seas no more. The tempest may sweep or the wild stormy deep, but in Jesus, I'm safe evermore. Father God, in the matchless, mighty name of Jesus, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, I take authority over every hopeless heart and I speak to you arise shine your light has come the glory of the Lord is risen upon you I bind hopelessness in your mind I bind hopelessness in your weary spirit and I rebuke the influences that have brought it And I trust the constant, immovable, abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. When the sun breaks meridian horizon tomorrow, know this, Jesus is waiting at the altar for you. Anchor your soul in the haven of rest and peace will be your reward. Let's all stand together. Oh, Father, would you just lift your hands now? Just lift your hands in this moment. Take a deep breath, breathe out and release every anxiety. Cast in this moment, sacred and holy, all your care upon him. Lord, we repent of attempting to escape you when we're hopeless. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. We will not trust the sweetest frame. We will wholly lean on Jesus' name, on Christ 
the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Release hope into the hearts of your people today. Hope for today, hope for tomorrow, hope for their family, hope for their finances, hope for their children, hope for their future. And we give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody that is releasing hopelessness and laying hold on hope, clap and shout unto God with a voice of trust. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I want to invite you to tell someone in your life about the podcast. Hope you'll do it today. Head on over to iTunes and leave a review. Share it on your social networks for me. Really helps me get the word out. I'd love for you to connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. No easier way for me to minister to you every day and throughout the day and for us to join together in faith as God moves in and through your life. You can find links to all my pages at rodparsley.com. God bless you now, and I hope you'll listen again soon.